Do you know a teenager or have a teenager who is addicted to video games? Do you believe that a parent has the right to determine what video games a teenager plays? In this episode, I'm going to talk about a teenager who murdered his mom and attempted to murder his dad over one video game. The title of that game is Halo 3. I am Bill Swafford, and this is Murderers in Ohio. So we got a killer on a run Hello and thank you for joining me for this episode. I am your host, Bill Swafford. Before I get into this episode, I do want to let everyone know that Murderers in Ohio has its own YouTube channel. There you will be able to listen to episodes and see pictures that go with the cases. So please check out Murderers in Ohio on YouTube. I personally know a lot of people of all ages who have video game addictions. It is all about taking yourself out of reality and putting yourself into a world that you can control. These addictions can get pretty intense. However, I don't hear of many murder cases with the only motive over one video game. Murder because of a video game that was taken away by a parent. In 2007, 16-year-old Daniel Petrick attempted to murder both his mom and dad over the game Halo 3, a game that his dad had taken away from him. The Petrick case happened in Lorain County, which is in the northeast part of Ohio. The county borders Lake Erie and is just west of Cleveland. Most of the early articles that were written about the case said that the Petrick family were residents of Wellington, Ohio which is in Lorain County. However, the Petrick family lived in Brighton Township, which is the next village or township west of Wellington. Brighton Township only has around a 1,000 residents. Mark and Susan Petrick had a home on Peck Wasworth Road. This road runs west and east. They had a one-story, three-bedroom home with an attached one-car garage. The house had gray vinyl siding and was surrounded by open land and cornfields. Mark was a Pentecostal minister at the New Life Assembly of God Church in Wellington, Ohio. Mark at this time was 45 years old, an average-sized man with short, dark hair and a mustache. Susan was 43 years old, and she worked at the Weber's Health Care in Wellington. Susan had blonde hair with brown roots. She had attended Valley Forge Christian College in Pennsylvania. Susan was very active within her church. Mark and Susan had three kids, two daughters, and a son. Their oldest daughter, Heidi, was married and wasn't living at the home. Mark and Susan's son was 16-year-old Daniel Petrick. Danny, as some people call him, was being homeschooled by his parents. Danny was described as an average kid. Danny was average size with short, dark hair. Danny had a deep love for video games. Video games became a very big part of his life. It is said that Danny became addicted to video games when he was housebound for a year 
due to a staph infection from a skiing accident. He had been suffering from severe spinal damage. Video games were the only thing he had to do for a while. It is said that Danny did enjoy shooting guns and going hunting with his dad. So Danny did know about guns and gun safety. However, Danny did not like how strict his father Mark was with him. Mark tried to keep his kids away from what he thought could be a bad influence on his kids. This included video games that contained violence or sexual situations. Danny's video game console was a Xbox 360. Danny had a friend whose name is Johnson. Danny would go over to Johnson's house and play video games. Johnson's house is where Danny was introduced to the Halo games. Halo is a game where you go around and kill aliens, not people. Danny got addicted to the Halo games. Danny and his friend Johnson would play the Halo games for 68 hours a night. I believe that Danny probably had an idea that his dad would not approve of the Halo games for two reasons. First, Danny did not even own a copy of Halo 1. And second, Danny and Johnson only played the game at Johnson's house, not Danny's. At some point, Danny would tell his dad, Mark, that he wanted to buy the game Halo 3, which just had recently hit the store shelves. Mark must have knew something about the games because Mark disapproved of the violence in the game. Mark told Danny that he was not to buy the game and he was to stop playing the Halo games altogether. This did not sit well with Danny. Mark told Danny to stop playing the games or move out. So Danny went to his friend Johnson's house. I can understand that Mark was trying to make sure that his son Danny was doing right and probably didn't expect Danny to leave the house. Danny stayed at Johnson's house for the weekend. During this weekend, the two teenagers played Halo for 18 hours a day with a very few breaks in between. Then at some point, Danny had gone home to his mom and dad's house. Maybe a week later, Danny had climbed out of his bedroom window to sneak out to buy the game Halo 3. Then at some point, Danny had tried to sneak the game into his parents' house without them knowing. However, Mark, Danny's dad, caught Danny in the act of sneaking the game into the house. Mark took the Halo 3 game from Danny and refused to let Danny have the game back. Mark had a safe in his bedroom closet. Mark locked the game in the safe. The safe was not empty before the game went in though. There was something else inside the safe, a gun. A Taurus PT-92 9mm semi-automatic pistol. The safe had to be opened with a key that Mark tried to hide from Danny. Taking something that a teenager cherishes would cause some tension and arguments in most homes. The parent or teenager usually gives up on whatever it is after some time. I am thinking there was more to the motive than just a video game. 
Sometime early on the day of October 20th of 2007, Danny had found the key to his dad's safe. However, Danny did not just go into his parents' room, get into the safe, take his game, and leave the house. That's what most kids would probably do in this situation. Danny waited till later in the day. At some point, Mark and Susan were sitting on their couch in their living room. I don't know if Mark and Danny were having an argument. I kind of think that they were. At some point, Danny told his dad to hold on. I got something to show you. And Danny left the room. Danny went into his parents' bedroom, got into the safe, and got the Taurus 9mm pistol. Danny had gone back to the living room where his parents were still sitting on the couch. Danny stood behind both his parents with the gun in his hand. This is around 7 in the evening. Danny said to his parents, Close your eyes. I got a surprise for you. That is when Danny shot his dad in the back of the head. Danny would then fire three shots at his mom, Susan. Susan was hit in the head, chest, and arm. Danny got his Halo 3 game and then tried to hand his dad the gun. Danny said, hey, here's your gun, take it. Then Danny placed a gun in his dad's hands. Danny would get a surprise only minutes after shooting his parents. Heidi and her husband, Andrew Archer, showed up at the house. Heidi and Andrew had come over to watch the Indians and Red Sox baseball game on television. They were two hours early. They were supposed to show up at 9 o'clock. They were met at the door by Danny, who was surprised to see them so early. Danny would not allow Heidi and Andrew into the house. He told them that Mark and Susan were fighting, and it was best that they stayed outside. Heidi stated that she heard something that sounded like someone was in pain. That is when Andrew and her shoved their way into the house. This is when Heidi and Andrew found the aftermath of what Danny had done to their parents. Danny had gone into the living room with them. Danny grabbed the gun out of his dad's hands, but Andrew quickly took it away from him. This is when Danny ran out of the house with his video game in his hand. Danny drove off in a family minivan with Halo 3 game in the passenger seat. Heidi called 911. The Lorraine County Sheriff's Department would show up at the house to find that Susan Petrick had died from her wounds. Mark Petrick was somehow alive and through a shattered jaw said that his son had shot him. Mark was rushed to the Cleveland Metro Health Medical Center, where he was in critical condition. The gunshot wound in Susan's arm was where she was trying to block a fatal shot by her son Danny. Danny would not be on the run for very long. He was arrested that same night. I watched a police cam video of the arrest. Law enforcement had set up a roadblock and Danny had ran his family's minivan off the road. Officers swarmed the van. When Danny was being handcuffed, it is said that Danny yelled out 
that his dad had shot his mom. While being questioned, Danny would try to pin his mom's murder on his dad. Danny wanted law enforcement to believe that what happened was a murder-suicide attempt. It wouldn't be long till Danny wouldn't deny what he had done. However, he blamed what he had done on video games. Daniel Petrick was charged with aggravated murder and attempted aggravated murder. Normally, these charges would put the death sentence on the table. However, because Danny was only 16, the death penalty would not be an option. Danny would be put into adult courts, though. He would be tried as an adult. If convicted, Danny could receive up to life in prison without a chance of parole. This trial would take place in Lorain County Common Police Court. There are three things that really surprised me that happened during Danny's wait for his murder trial. Danny's lawyer started with the insanity plea, saying that the video games altered Danny's sense of reality. The lawyer did try to get Danny released into the custody of Danny's grandfather. The lawyer said this, Just because what happened is horrible does not mean that he needs to be held in jail. Just because what happened was horrible doesn't mean he has to be held in jail. What he did was murder his mom, attempted to murder his dad, then tried to frame his dad for his mom's murder. If that is not a reason to keep anyone in jail, then what is? Danny's grandfather had gone in front of the judge and asked the judge to release Danny into his custody. Danny's grandfather said that the family already forgave Danny. Even Danny's parents, if they were sitting in the courtroom, would have forgiven him too. Keep in mind, this is only a few days after the murders. Danny's dad is still in the hospital in critical condition. Just because he had any forgiveness from any friends or family doesn't mean he should walk free and not have to pay for what he has done. What I'm going to talk about next I think was the biggest surprise for me out of this case. The judge released Danny released Danny from jail for a few hours. This was for Danny to go to his mom's funeral viewing. Danny got to see his mom, his victim, one last time, while his dad Mark Petrick lay in a hospital bed in critical condition. I have never heard of a murderer getting to go to a viewing, even if it was apparent. The judge said this was done to help protect Danny's mental health. I honestly have to say I believe this was a bad decision on the judge's part. At that time, no one really knew what Danny's real motive was, and I don't believe that anyone still does to this day. Mark Petrick did recover from his gunshot wound to his head. Mark had stated that at first he hated his son Danny. He did not even want to see Danny. Then Mark said he prayed about it and learned how to forgive Danny. Danny did have to see a psychologist because the defense team was going for the insanity plea. 
during this, Danny had told someone that he had been planning this murder for a week or two because his dad had been getting on his case about video games. The person behind the bench in the trial was Judge James Burge. And this is what he had to say. He firmly believed that Daniel Petrick had no idea at the time he hatched a plan that if he killed his parents, that they would die forever. However, the judge rejected the insanity plea based on the fact that Danny had planned a murder a week or two beforehand. I do not believe that a teenager without a history of mental illness actually believed that he could murder his parents and that they would eventually come back to life. I don't believe it. I could be wrong though, I guess. Danny did reject a jury trial, so his fate was left up to the judge. I think this was a good idea. A jury would be unpredictable. Leaving it up to a judge, who already let Danny go to his mom's funeral viewing, and a judge that believes Danny thought his parents would come back to life, is a better option. Daniel Petrick's trial started in December of 2008, and it only lasted a few days. The defense team were not arguing that he did not do it, but the stress of being homebound for a year from an injury and a video game addiction altered Danny's sense of reality. 25 young teenagers showed up at the trial to support Danny. Family and friends testified at the trial. Even Danny's friend Johnson testified. The prosecutor made Danny out to be a heartless killer. Fellow churchgoers said that Danny was always eager to learn about the Bible. Everyone made it seem that Danny had gotten along with his parents. Danny's problems didn't start till he had gotten addicted to video games. Prosecution pointed out that Danny did not have any mental issues that would motivate him to do this crime. Danny was a murderer, and he could have done this to anyone. It just happened to be his parents. Danny had gone to school in Wellington before getting homeschooled. The school's superintendent said that Danny had never been in any kind of serious trouble at the school's. Danny was an average student, and nothing pointed to Danny as a source of violence. Heidi, Danny's sister, the one who made the 911 call, stated that she had already forgiven Danny. Heidi was a youth pastor. The person that everyone wanted to hear from at the trial was Mark Petrick, Danny's dad. Mark testified that Danny stood behind him and his wife. He said that Danny told them to close their eyes. Mark said that his head had gone numb and then he saw blood pouring out of his skull. Mark testified that he remembers seeing his wife dead on the floor. I cannot imagine what Mark was feeling like going through what him and his wife did and then having to testify at his son's murder trial. Mark was ready to forgive his son Danny by the time of the trial. At one point of the trial, Mark spotted his son, Danny, crying, and this is what Mark had to say about his son. He believes Danny regretted the shooting 
and that Danny still didn't understand why he had done something wrong. I believe Danny's only regret was that he got caught. That is the feeling I get from this. Other than some crying, Danny showed little to no emotion during his trial. Danny did lower his head when the court viewed the photos of his mom's autopsy. Danny was found guilty of aggravated murder and attempted aggravated murder. In January of 2009, Daniel Petrick, who was born on August 24th of 1991, was sentenced to 23 years to life in prison. Danny will be eligible for parole in the year of 2030. Danny's spending his time at Crafton Correctional Institution in Crafton, Ohio, which is in Lorraine County. People who have done studies on the impact that video games have on young minds often mention the Daniel Petrick case. I don't believe that his name should be mentioned in any studies. I still don't buy the defense that a mentally stable teenager believed that he was in a video game and that his parents would just come back to life. I seen an article online about a disbarred Florida lawyer. This lawyer is wanting people to give Daniel Petrick a new trial. This article was published in November of 2021. I think this disbarred Florida lawyer is only mentioning a new trial for Danny because this former lawyer wants some attention. Mark Petrick has spent some time on a mission to keep violent video games from young kids. I watched a video of an interview with Danny that was done in prison. In this interview, Danny had talked about how strict his dad was and how this frustrated him. I believe Mark and Danny were going through what all fathers and teenage boys go through at some point. The teenage boy wants to act like a man and make his own rules, and the father feels that he needs to do what it takes to keep his teenage son in line. A lot of kids all over the planet has had a video game or something taken away as a form of punishment, but not all kids make a plan to murder their parents, then carry it out and frame the dad. Also in this interview, Danny said as he was shooting his parents, he thought that they would die, but eventually everything would reset like a video game. He thought everything would reset and his parents would come back to life. Is he serious? Someone who is mentally stable, someone who has been hunting with his father, they took the lives of animals, and those animals' lives did not reset. This person is seriously saying he believed at some point his parents would just come back to life. I say Daniel Petrick is a cold-blooded killer. In that interview, Danny showed no emotion while talking about what happened. I want to say that I do feel that it is good that Mark found a way to forgive his son, Danny. However, I believe that prison is where his son, Daniel Petrick, deserves to be. Please check out the New Murderers in Ohio YouTube channel. There you will be able to listen to the episodes and see photos from the cases. I am Bill Swafford and this has been Murderers in Ohio. 
This podcast and music was put together and performed by William Swafford. We got the devil on the road and-